be in the house of the Lord today. I'm Justin. Welcome to all of our guests today. We just invite you to worship the Lord with us. I just want to testify for a minute. I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus that took away all my sin, that set me free. Come on, I'm free indeed this morning because of that blood that he shed on Calvary for me. Aren't you glad? Sing with us today. Oh, precious is a blow that makes me white as snow. No other fault I know. I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in. The blood of the Lamb, I'm not a slave to what once held me bound. How beautiful that cleansing blood! I am washed, I am washed, I am drenched in love. Oh, precious is the blood that makes me white as snow.
raise your hands for a minute. Sing it all, precious, here's the Lord that makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood Yes, Lord, we thank you for the precious blood of Jesus. Lord, we thank you that in the blood, in your name, Father, in the name of Jesus, there is healing, there is resurrection life, there is power to change us, Lord. God, we thank you for that. We speak the name of Jesus right now over our families, Lord, over our church, God, we speak it over the body of Christ across the world. And Lord, we thank you that when we receive the gift of salvation, when we believe in the power of your name, Father, that we are set free and that we are changed. Lord, we speak your name today.
in the church and we throw that around a lot God is good and all the time God wants to bless us more than we can ever imagine it's not just motivational speaking and trying to stay on the happy side of things God is really invested everything that heaven has his firstborn son his only son we're his second-born son, by the way. To lay his, his life down on the cruel cross of Calvary so that we could have this connection between us and heaven, have all of our sins forgiven, have the power of his spirit, his presence living inside of us, these clay vessels giving his treasure so that we can walk in this life with all of the uncertainties, with all the fears, with all the complications, with all the problems that we face, the trials, the tribulations. Walk through that fire and overcome, still have life. I'm thankful today. This is what this service is all about today. We're going to dedicate our babies right now. I'm going to ask you to come in just a moment. We're going to ask everyone just to have a seat. Then I'm going to call for the babies in just for just a moment. But it's astonishing to me. I've been saved for some 37 years, I guess, somewhere around there. Been married for 35, I think. Is that right? <laughs> when I got married, I was 19 and 17. And yes, it was a fight with her parents mainly. I didn't know what I was doing. There was a couple books that were suggested about how to be a happy couple. Four years later, I had my first child. So I'm 23. I didn't know the first thing about parenting. You know, everybody's got a lot of, a lot of advice about how to have a happy marriage and how to raise kids. You know what's astonishing to me? That in all the Word of God, spread across thousands of years of history, you know how much communication there is about how to have a happy marriage and how to raise kids? About that much. 
literally that doesn't, that doesn't seem right if someone was to say you know a young couple is to get married or about to have a child or some of you maybe this is your first child how to raise a child Pastor Kevin what would what advice would you give is there any books we need to read yeah I'm gonna give you Psalm 128 let's put it up on the screen Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. That's your relationship to work, your vocation, your occupation. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house that's it my wife is like a fruitful vine in the very heart of my house and your children are going to be like olive plants all around your table oozing with the favor the blessing the anointing of God on their life that's it Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. And I would say to you, if you need to read something, go read it. If you need a little detail on how to raise kids, go do what you need to do. But I'm going to tell you something. If you will just fear the Lord, which means honor Him with everything that you are, honor His presence, honor His Word, Everything that you do from your finances to what you, what you do when you get in a fight. Filter everything that you are and everything you do in your life through the Word of God. Find out what God's Word has to say. Live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And though you be a fool, and though I be a fool, your wife and your marriage... It's going to just work out. Yeah, you're going to have your bumps. You're going to have your skirmishes. And yeah, you're going to make a lot of mistakes as a parent. I read this in the Psalms yesterday. He is a father to the fatherless. That really spoke to my heart. There's been moments and times, and there's moments and times when you as a dad, you make mistakes. And at that moment, your child is fatherless because you didn't do what you needed to do. But you know, when you dedicate your children to the Lord in the moments when you were out of pocket and not what you needed to be, God steps in and he covers your mistakes. Can I get a witness in the house? I want the parents to come up with, that are dedicating children. Please help them to get make their way out. If you need to stand up and help them get out as they're making their way. When you dedicate anything to the Lord, there's nothing that you can dedicate to the Lord more valuable than your children in the eyes of the Lord. You dedicate your marriage to the Lord. What you dedicate to the Lord, you give God ownership of. You give Him rule. You give Him, you give him permission to do what He needs to do. Champions. Wow. How many days ago? Thursday. <laughs>
said, here's my Eva. Look at my Eva. Oh my goodness. Wow. God's just going to make it work. I listen. That scripture that I just read to you, it's not religion to me. It is what I absolutely believe with all of my heart. Would you just join with us today in believing the word of God? We're going to go by Pastor Lisa and I. We're going to hug. We're going to love. We're going to, we're going to lay hands on. We're going to say a short, simple prayer. But what they're doing as they, as we lay hands on these children, as they dedicate themselves as parents and dedicate their children, we as a body are covering who they are. And so I want you to join with me in that. If you want to stand one more time, please. And as we go by and we put everything that we are over their lives and cover them in the spirit, I pray that you would join with me as we do that. Amen. I'm believing that these children are going to get saved at a young age. Five, six, seven. I'm believing that every one of them will marry who they're supposed to marry. A godly young man or a godly young lady. Amen. I am believing, this is what I'm praying, I'm believing that they're going to have kids that are going to be blessed and that they're going to carry the name of God from generation to generation. I'm believing that their generations will be a blessed generation. That's what I'm believing today. Would you join with me? And if you will, just say a big amen. Amen.
thankful for all of the little ones and for their families and Monica Brewer is a trooper. She had that baby Thursday afternoon around 5.30 and we had no idea they would be here with that precious little boy this morning, but such a blessing and continue to pray for all of our young families. We are so thankful for each and every one of them and believing for good things and the favor of the Lord upon all of their lives. Just a few announcements this morning. Just want to remind the youth that they will be having their youth fellowship this evening, 5 to 7, out in the gym. They're telling me they're having fried pizza rolls. I said, now I'm old. That sounds like a young person's food. But Paul Blanchard told me this this morning, trust me, it's delicious. You don't want to miss out. So, be here this evening for youth. I know that y'all are going to have a great time, 5 to 7, here at the church. And then this Wednesday morning, September 28th, Eagle Heights will be hosting the Tangipo Parish Sheriff's Office monthly prayer breakfast. We'll be meeting here in the main sanctuary at 7.30 a.m. and then be in here for about 30 minutes and they go out to the gym afterwards for a time of fellowship and for breakfast. It is a community event and so all of you whose schedules will allow are invited to come and be a part of that. And we are asking that if you are planning on coming and staying for breakfast, that you please let them know at the guest services desk. There's a sign up. If it, if it would be us cooking, it wouldn't be a big deal. But they, the sheriff's office is actually providing the breakfast. So we want to be able to give them an accurate count. So uh, think through it. Barring an emergency, if you sign up, please try to be here, especially if you're going to be here for the breakfast part so we can let them know an exact number this Wednesday, 7.30, breakfast around 8 o'clock. And it is just a great time to show our support. Pastor Kevin always preaches about honoring our police officers, those guys who put their lives on the line every day to protect us and to try their best to keep law and order in these difficult days and we as a church body is a great way to show support for them by coming being here praying for them and so if you your schedule will allow we invite you to come and be with us this wednesday morning 7 30 a.m the following wednesday october 5th will be the first wednesday of the month and we will meet for our next Wednesday night gathering, 6.30 to 7.30 that Wednesday. Pastor Kevin says as long as we continue to have the support of the church body, we'll continue to do the first Wednesday night of the month. I don't know if you realize that or not. It was such an anointed, blessed, joy-filled time the last time we met. That is because of the support and the unity of the body of Christ coming together. And we encourage you to come out, be a part October the 5th, and we'll continue as long as you want to do that. And we're trusting the Lord. We're going to be following that same format from 6.30 to 7.30 and praying and believing for great things. I also want to mention that in a few weeks, Pastor Larry Myers from Mexico Ministries will be ministering in our morning service, October the 16th. And Pastor Kevin had been wanting to do another senior adult fish fry. And he said, what a great time 
why don't we do that Sunday that Brother Larry's 85 years old, that he's here, and we can have our senior adults go out. We can have lunch together and fellowship. So there'll be some tables as you exit today. Our senior adult luncheon for be, will be for those ages 50 and above. And if you would like to attend, please sign up so that we can get an accurate count. We also, one of the highlights is the homemade dessert by our senior adult ladies. If you can bring a dessert, there will be a place to sign up there as well. And so we're looking forward to October the 16th. And Brother Glenn said that Sunday evening that uh, they'll be taking Pastor Larry. We have reserved a room at Murphy's. And if you have ever been on a Mexico missions trip, we've built about nine churches there in Mexico and would like to hang out and have dinner with Pastor Larry, please let Brother Glenn know. Call him, text him so we can reserve the correct amount. But it'll be Dutch Treat, 6 o'clock at Murphy's for any of those guys that have ever ministered there with him to give you a chance to fellowship with him. Our missions offering focus today is going to be for cookie trays for our local school teachers that we'll be delivering this week. You know, the first six to eight weeks of school is always the hardest. We've ministered to some teachers in the congregation as you're trying to establish order in your classroom, especially this year. I've communicated with some of our teachers and the children are coming back behind from the pandemic and all the schooling that they had missed and a shortage of teachers is even affecting our area. We are so thankful for our school teachers. And I sat down in one minute, wrote down 15 names of educators within our congregation. I'm sure there's many, many more. We don't want to lose our teachers. They are imparting truth, especially our Christian teachers. Pray for them. Pray for strength for them. Pray for them to be a witness in the classroom in these difficult days. And we just want to send a note to those teachers. We love you. We're praying for you. And if you're a teacher within our body, and you may not even teach in this parish, but I talked with the Miranda. She said, get with her. Let her know. She's going to be at the church next Wednesday evening from 6 to 7. If you would like to come pick up a tray, let her know so that we can get it ordered and bring it to your staff and your school body and just say our church wanted to bless you and they're praying for you you don't have to be right here in this local area we would love to send a tray with you as a member of our church so let Miranda know so that we can get that ordered and we're looking forward to that outreach and I just want to share a personal praise and testimony a precious letter that I'd gotten from one of our couples, James and Heather Matheny, addressed to our church body this week and just thanking you for all the prayers, the phone calls, the texts, the meals, the monetary support during James's time of recovery. Many of you know that about eight months ago, James was involved in a serious winching accident and he broke his femur, he broke his shoulder, had some serious injury, was flat on his back in traction for a while, and had a long, long road to recovery. In fact, they said that their life during the last eight months has been filled with so many just praise reports of what the Lord has done. When he was injured, he had 14 weeks, they said, of paid leave time from his job. He was out of his job for 32 weeks. 
but only missed one paycheck through just a series of miracles. I believe even as they were communicating with me that the company had changed the policy because employees were coming up saying, we want to donate a week of our paid vacation time or our paid leave time. We want to donate. We want to donate. And they allowed them to do that. He missed one paycheck, she said, and for that paycheck, the church had given them a love offering and some members of the church had said, the Lord laid it on our heart to bless you. She said it was within dollars of being the exact same thing that his paycheck would have been. It was a miracle of the Lord. They never missed a dime. She said last week, he returned back to work five months earlier than the doctors had predicted. Praise be to the Lord. And they are so thankful they could see the hand of the Lord all along the way. And they ended the letter by saying, we are humbled and blessed by our church family. I don't know how anyone goes through hard times without faith, the Father, and a church family. And they said, we've said it before, but it's worth repeating. We are abundantly blessed, and we love each and every one of you. That blessed my heart. That's what the body is all about. Ushers, you come forward to receive our morning missions offering. Bring your offering is faith as we bless our teachers in the area. Let's stand our feet.
Well, hey there, good to see you in the house of the Lord. And it's always a special time just so we can dedicate our babies to the Lord. And I am so thankful that we had so many up here today, so many, you know, carrying on the generation and the legacy. And it's always an exciting time for me to see that. And a half of them are scared to death, you know, and uh, fighting me off and grabbing my microphone. But they, they still received, amen, they received. Children are an amazing thing. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the blessing from the Lord. I really, you know, I started a series last week talking about the Holy Spirit and our need for the power of God in our lives. And a lot of times when we say that, you know, there's a lot of images and pictures come to our mind, the power of God. But really when the Bible talks about the power of God, it means the power to overcome this world that the resurrection power of Jesus residing within us causes us to overcome everything that's out there. And I asked the Lord, I said, you know, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm, baby de I'm dedicating the babies, you know, I, I want to continue into my message. I'm not sure where to go today. And the Lord gave me the perfect message, and it's really been stirring in my heart. And I want to talk about the childlike today, the childlike. Matthew 18, let's read it. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is greatest in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, this is very important. This is our message today. Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 19, the next chapter actually, but Jesus said, the disciples said, don't get them kids around here. The mamas are bringing their babies to dedicate them to the Lord and asking Jesus to lay hands on them and the blessed children. Jesus didn't have time for all this. Ladies, you get out of here. He didn't have time for these babies. But Jesus said, let the little children come and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And so when Jesus is telling me and telling you that in order for me to inherit the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, I must become as a little child, I want to learn what he's talking about. I want to know what it means for me to be a little child. You know, to be a little child doesn't mean you're perfect. Doesn't mean I don't create a lot of problems because we do. It's kind of like, you know, back in the day when my kids were little, I would always try to get them a puppy. I made that mistake about five times. It never worked out. But you know, the truth be known, I wanted the puppy probably more than they did. And I always had this fascination with golden retrievers. You know, you see these golden retrievers walking around town on their master's leash, and they are just, their coat is beautiful. That, I love that light golden with that, you know, white fur on there. It's just a beautiful animal. And the puppies are even better, right? I got a picture of a couple of them. I would get sucked in every time. 
They're just so adorable. And so I, I would go and buy my little golden retri retriever puppy, leave him up there a minute. And every time it was a disaster. You know, put out the newspaper, do this, do that, reading, Googling, trying to figure it all out. I mean, if we had Google back then. And one night I put him in the utility room and woke up the next morning and it had chewed all of my baseboards up in the utility room. Chewed them up, chewed up clothes, made a mess, missed the newspaper, messes everywhere. It doesn't mean because you're childlike, you're not going to make some messes. I searched all over the internet to try to find some little children that I could put on the screen, the most beautiful, precious children I could find on planet Earth, and I couldn't find any more precious than my babies. Come on, put them up there. <laughs> Unless you become converted and become as little children, leave them up there a good long time. It's not fair, but I'm the pastor. You won't inherit the kingdom of God. And so in a very real way, my grandchildren can teach me a lot about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Now, beyond their two precious and cute faces, they create some problems. The two oldest ones back there doing their little sweet look. A few weeks ago, I got a report from the nursery that one bit the other one's nose and created a all-out brawl in the nursery one Sunday morning. And I was wondering why I was holding them. They were putting their hands on me, trying to get me to protect them from their mom and daddy because they were going to get their little behinds tore up and they knew it. They create problems. I had to send them home last night for fighting. Those front two, one, 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 one day, I, I, we're, we were called, invited to take care of them, th those two. Pastor Lisa's got something going on in the, rest, in the other part of the house, and so I got the job of taking care of them in the shop. I had my own stuff going on, and so here they come in my shop, I'm, I'm, I'm invested in what I'm doing. I look over there every now and then, and literally, I had the shop in order. Everything's clean in two minutes. This is what happened. Next picture. <laughs> Destroyed everything. And this is what goes on in my life. Amen. It's a constant thing. And so, obviously, being childlike doesn't mean we don't make some messes. These two right here, when they walk through my door, and I'm not exaggerating, about 90% of the time, they fill up their diaper within 30 seconds. And I'm like, what is going on here? Do you threaten them not to use the bathroom until they get to Papa's house? Why do I have to deal with this? And I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you, it happens almost every time. Obviously, being childlike doesn't mean we don't make messes in life. You can put them down. It doesn't mean that we don't tear up some things every now and then. It doesn't mean that we don't cause some problems even for our heavenly Father. But listen very carefully. 
even though we tear up some things and even though we make some messes in life, if we can learn what it means to be childlike, and this is where we're going today, we literally, listen carefully, open up the windows of heaven over our lives and God pours out his blessing and his kingdom. And when we pray like Jesus told us to, let your kingdom come, something really comes and something really happens in our life. What is it about a child? I've preached messages in the past. I've, I've looked it up before. There's books written on it, the characteristics of a child. What is it about a child that Jesus is trying to get us to take notice of? I don't believe I'm gonna miss it too far here when I say he's trying to point out as he's sitting that child in his lap, the helplessness of a child. The dependence of a child and the quick to trust that characteristic of a child. And so let me say this. When I reach a place of complete helplessness and total dependence, if I can get to a place where I am fully trusting my heavenly Father, I have been converted and I become like a child. This is perfect because last week we ended our discussion on the spirit versus our flesh as we talked about our need in seeing our need in our life. And we told the story of the guy who was chopping down the tree and lost the ax head. And in that story, we see Elisha the prophet and his protégés, the uh, guys in training. And they are called in verse 1 of this chapter, I think it's 5, 6, I get them mixed up. The sons of the prophets. And this, these sons of the prophets were... The number was growing so much that the place where they were dwelling was too small and they had to make a bigger place. They were advancing the kingdom, if you, if you will. There was greater building of the kingdom, if you will. And so Elisha tells him to go down to Jordan and cut down some trees and make this bigger place. And he's going to stay put. But the sons of the prophet said, Father, listen, we don't want to go without you. You are who we desire, you are what we need, and we need you to come down here with us. And so he consented to go. And I want to read it here in verse 4 of 2 Kings 6. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees, but one was cutting down a tree, and the iron axe head fell, out, fell off into the water. And he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. This is a moment in time that all of us get to. And uh, if you've been saved for any length of time, you've been here a lot of times. When you get to the place where you zeroed out and there's nothing you can do to advance anything, you are at rock bottom. You've lost your cutting edge. 
You've lost your ability to accomplish. You've lost your ability to overcome. And it's not a bad place to be in. It's a great place to be in because when you get to that place, that's where God pours out the kingdom in your life. And he goes, you know, there's no use in me continuing on. I cannot advance in any way. I can't overcome. I've lost my ability to overcome. And really, I have no resources to get it back. It was borrowed. I have no way to bring into my life what I really need. And it was this moment of conversion that of total dependence and a realization that I'm completely helpless in my state that brought the kingdom. Where did you lose it? I lost it right there. A literal miracle from heaven came into that situation and the iron axe had floated to the surface and the prophet said, reach down, pick it up and take it up for yourself. And the kingdom was restored, the cutting edge And the power was restored to his life, but it only came because he was converted and became like a little child. There was a young ruler, a rich young ruler, the Bible calls him, that came to Jesus one day and said, I want the kingdom, I want eternal life. I want to go to heaven when I die. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. I'm doing great. Jesus looked at him and loved him. There's one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you have. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. And it wasn't worth the price. My stuff is important to me. I I don't really need Jesus that much. I don't need God working in my life that much. Salvation is not that important. Heaven is really not that important to me. The Bible said he walked away being sad and grieved in his heart. And Jesus turned to the disciples in Matthew or Mark 10, 23 and said, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, given the story, we know that is related to finances, people that can make it on their own, people that have a good job, people that have all the resources they need. They don't need God in their life. But I want you to understand that word rich expands beyond our monetary security. Sometimes you are rich in knowledge. Sometimes you are rich in your relationships and you're the, you know, the life of the party and everybody loves you and you're the greatest guy and you're wonderful. You can be rich in education. You can be rich in wisdom. You can be rich in a lot of things. But as long as you maintain a position of, I don't really need God in my life. I got this. You shut out the kingdom of God from your life. Peter was that way as well. And it encourages me that Jesus picked people, handpicked people, God handpicked people to be the pillars of the church that had issues. Issues with pride, issues with rebellion, issues with 
self-importance, James and John, that's what brought that discussion on about childlikeness. Who's going to be the greatest? Even their mom got involved. We want, you know, one to sit on one. When you come to the kingdom, we want one to sit on this side, one to sit on that side. It's not for me to give. (laughs) Jesus said. They had issues. And you remember when Jesus said, Peter, listen, you don't know this. One of you is going to betray me. And Peter said, Lord, well, you know, it's not going to be me. And I've preached this a thousand times and you've heard it. I would never do that. I I would never, ever fail you on that level. Listen, if I have to die for you, I'll never, ever, ever backslide. I'll never turn away from you, Jesus. I got this. I'm a self-made man. I'm a fisherman, a rough Fisherman from Capernaum, I have slaved, I'm rough, I, I lead people, I, I know what I'm doing, I'm, I'm the boss, I've led these people for years, I know what I'm doing, I'm self-managed, I'm self-governed, I've got self-confidence, I can do this, Jesus, I got this. And you know what happened, he became a disconnected disciple And though he intended on and he wanted to, Galatians 5, he wasn't walking in the spirit. He's in the flesh and he thinks he's he's got his confidence in the flesh. And the Bible said he followed afar off. He followed at a distance. Then when he got up there close, he starts warming his hands by Jesus' accusers. and, And they say, hey, you are with and you are with and you are with. I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Miserable failure. I'll continue his story in just a minute. But I want you to understand that what we're reading in Timothy, where we're, what we're reading in other places, it's this, this I got it mentality is going to characterize the end times. People that know, people that got it, people that understand, people that got it figured out, people that can't be corrected, people, just people. And sometimes those people are you and sometimes those people are me. We've got it all figured out. You know, as I was a young preacher, I, I would go to places and I would hear pastors talk about the Laodicean church age. I didn't really, the, the Laodicean dispensation. I didn't exactly know what they were talking about. Now I do. There's seven letters of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapters two and chapter three. The seventh church, the last church, is a Laodicean church. It's that church where Jesus said, I wish you were cold, I wish you were hot. I wish you were childlike and and walking in my grace and yoked to me. Or I wish you were cold, I wish you could see your need, your desperate need for me, but because you're lukewarm, I'll I'll vomit you out of my mouth. And this is what he said in Revelation 2.17. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. And everyone say this with me. I don't need a thing. Say it again. I don't need a thing. But God said, and you, Jesus said, and you don't realize, but you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. You got a lot of needs. You ain't got this. 
So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also buy white garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so that you will be able to see. Is Jesus talking about gold like at Fort Knox? No. He's talking about heaven commodities, heaven's commodities. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He's talking about what's really valuable. Not only valuable in this earth, but valuable for eternity. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that which is precious, that which has no earthly nothing attached to it. It's gold. How do you buy this gold? You buy this gold from God through humility. Through reaching a point of absolute helplessness. Let me say it this way. From declaring, when you declare bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. That's how you buy from God in the kingdom. Only in the kingdom of God do you have to be bankrupt in order to buy. I don't want you to miss that. I cannot be saved until I'm bankrupt. And if I, if I become this self-confident Christian, I wasn't like that when I first got saved, but I become this self-confident Christian, things are not gonna change in your life. The kingdom of God's gonna halt in your life until you get bankrupt again. And what I'm learning in my life as I see people, as I see my own life, is that our heavenly father, because of his great love for us, he knows what he needs to do to bankrupt every one of us. And don't think he don't do that. He knows how to bankrupt you. And he does it out of his love. There was another message that I preached for years when I was an itinerant evangelist, revivalist, whatever. It's a message about Gideon, and I called it, what kind of man does God use? When God chooses a man, what kind of man does he choose? And I would preach that message. You know, it's, it, the context is in the book of Judges, and the book of Judges is a book of cycles, and we see this cycle over and over again. God would bless his people that would be prospering. The kingdom of God would be poured out on their lives, and God would fight their enemies. God would... Bless them in every capacity of their life, but they would forget God. They would forget to give him glory. And every time God would raise up an enemy nation who would overcome them, strip them down, until they got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when they got sick and tired of being sick and tired and saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore, they would cry out to God. And every single time, our Heavenly Father, when they were converted and became like a child and became helpless again and dependent once again, he would send a deliverer, the judges, Samson, Deborah, Barak. In Judges chapter 6, it happens to be Gideon. And so they cry out and say, God, we need you. And so they're going to raise up a man. Well, the man's got to be fitted for the position, Gideon. He's threshing 
wheat in the wine press in order to hide it from the Midianites. Why? Because everything they would grow, the Midianites would come by, come by, soon as it was ready for harvest, and they would steal it all, take it all, and bring it back to Midian. So he's hiding. And he's down there, and the people have reached a, a place of humility, and now God's going to reach out to them and get, get them out of their mess again. And so the angel appears to Gideon and says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He asked a question that was very sensible, two questions. He said, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? He didn't even answer the question. I can answer the question because you're not childlike anymore. Number two, where's all the miracles? I can answer that too. The kingdom of God is not going to be manifest because you're not a child anymore. You're doing it your own way. Gideon was a coward. He was very afraid. You can see that. He, he was supposed to destroy an altar of Baal he, that his daddy had possession of. He was too afraid to do it by the, in the daytime. He did it by night. That's the story of the fleece, putting out the fleece. Lord, if, you, if you're going to do this in my life, here it is. Give me a test. God did that. He said, Lord, don't be afraid. I mean, don't be angry with me. Let me do it again. He did it again. God showed him again. God, okay. He's got it. I'm, 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 I'm going to be used of God to overcome the Midianites. So like any good, you know, warrior, surge, soldier, captain of an army or whatever, he's going to go out and get as many gods as he can. And he musters up 32,000 people. 32,000. And that sounds like a lot. But when you read the story, that day when Gideon looked over the hilltop down the valley where the Midianites were encamped, he said, they're like sand of the seashore. It was so many people. And they were well equipped. But he's got 32,000 men. You know what God said? He was already outnumbered. Let's look at it. Judges chapter 7 verse 2. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into your hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. You got too many guys. If you go out there and somehow there's an upset and you happen to win, there's just enough strength in you without me that you might think that you did it and I didn't do it. I want you to tell everybody who's afraid to go home. Well, 22,000 of them said, hey, that would be me. Hey, I'll be praying for y'all. God bless y'all. Pray and protection, covering, blessing. We'll see you. We'll pray tonight. God bless y'all. 10,000 are left. 10,000 against the sand of the seashore? Uh-oh. The Lord went to him again. You can read it yourself. Not going to work, Gideon. You got too many guys. If you happen to win a major upset here, you still might think that you did it, and that's not acceptable to me. Do not miss this. Bring them down to drink water. I'm going to test them for you. Whoever just drinks water like a normal human being, he's not going to be one of them. But whoever laps water like a dog, he's going to be the guy. 
Now, I'm going to be honest, when I preached this years ago, I, I would say this. He, he, he chose those guys who wouldn't even look, look aside. He would, they wouldn't even look down. And get, they just kept their eyes on the enemy. You know what I'm thinking nowadays? That is not at all what was going down there. You ever seen a dog lap water? Let's look at it. I got a little video. and Hannah made it for me. Let's look at it real quick. Hey, she put a lot of work in. Let's do it one more time, okay? You know what I really think? There were 300 weirdos out there. You have never seen a man lap water like a dog. And if you are, you're not invited to my church. You can't be a part of my church anymore. It was 300 weirdos. I can't prove it, my opinion. They were like, you know, the 9,700, they weren't afraid. And Gideon said, y'all going home, we got this. And he, they're looking at these 300 guys and they're going away going, Corey? Corey? The guy goes, blah, 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 that, that guy? You, you need me to tell Jesse? Really? Seriously? We're done. This ain't going to work. Listen, those guys weren't brave. They were just too stupid to know to be afraid. 300 of them. So they get to 300, and they start strapping on shields and swords and blah, blah, blah. And God goes, no, no swords, no shields, no helmets, no armor, no none of that. I want you to get a trumpet. I want you to, I want you to get a clay pot pitcher, and I want you to get a torch. And I want you to go and fight the enemy. Let me tell you what God's doing. God is saying this to Gideon, those 300. Do you feel outnumbered yet? But listen, do you know that you know that you know that you are absolutely and positively helpless here? Do you know that you know that there's complete, you're absolutely no way that you're going to pull this off? Are you 100% sure? I think we're about there. Well, now I can give you the kingdom. Now I can do a miracle. Now I can release my power in your life. And they went out that night, and they were given instructions. Listen, when at, at the word of Gideon, I want you to break the pitchers. So the, put the torch in there. Break the pitcher. The torch starts shining and just bouncing around the noise of armor and the, the lights, you know, the army, and blowing the trumpets. The sword of the morning, Gideon. And all of them started killing one another off. And not one man had to encounter anything and the way of putting his life on the line because they were converted, albeit by God's direction, into a total, dependent, total, helpless, fully trusting band of idiots. Can I get a witness in the house? Oh, I think I can do this. No, you can't. Oh, I think I got this. No, you don't. Let me let you in on a secret right now. Listen very carefully. God, you might need to write this down. 
or, or listen to the tape because you don't need to forget. This is a secret for a lifetime. God is actually allowing you to be outnumbered in your life. He is allowing you to be overpowered in your life. He is bringing you through circumstances so that you have no way out. He's doing it. Stop calling it the devil. It is your heavenly father causing you to know that you're outnumbered and know that you're overpowered because that's when he shows up and begins to work and gives you the kingdom. Can I get one amen? Amen. Let me give you another secret. God only gives the po- his power to the weak and his grace to the humble. He only gives power to the weak and only gives grace to the humble. If you think that's an exaggeration, live a little while and you'll know that what I said is accurate. First Peter 5, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all you be submissive to one another and be what? Clothed with humility. Let it be the outward expression of who you are and that you are totally dependent upon God. Clothe yourself with humility. Why? Because God resist the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Amplified is not even as nice as that. The Amplified says God sets himself against the proud. When you get in pride, God has ceased to work in your life. He resists it. And only when you're converted and become like a child will he Allow the grace to flow again. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What do we do in our pride with our cares? We think it's spiritual. We converse about it. We reason about it. We reason about it. We converse about it. We tell our spouse about it. We tell our friend about it. We tell God about it. And God is saying, listen to me. I don't want to talk about your problems. I want you to give me your problems. I want you to know that I can handle anything going on in your life. Humble yourself under my mighty hand, and I will exalt you when the time is right. It's no accident that the Holy Spirit put this next verse in the very next verse says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he he may devour. Who can Satan devour? Who's he looking for? The prideful man. Listen to me. Who can he devour? He can devour the man that's being resisted by God because of his pride. He can get in your stuff when you get self-confident. He can get in your stuff when you have an I got it mentality. There's this beautiful and sweet, this delicate balance that God is working in all of our lives. And that is God pouring out blessing on you, but keeping you in a state of humility. That's why teenagers have such a difficult, difficult time in their latter teenage years when God is 
growing them and maturing them and causing them to see things more from an adult perspective as they're transitioning into adulthood, but yet they still have to maintain humility and honor for their parents while they're still at home. Well, forever, but it's a great challenge. Because if if I begin to exalt myself and I'm not in humility, I'm gonna fall flat on my face. And that delicate balance from our heavenly father, he's perfect at it. And I think about Paul's thorn in the flesh. It's an amazing thing. It's been over-preached probably and tried to be over-explained, but it's pretty simple. Paul was saying, God, I wanna see more. I wanna, I wanna be used by you, Lord. I, I wanna know your truth. I want to be using the ministry, God. I'm emptied out. Use me, God. Use me. Like we pray sometimes. And so in that prayer, God responds and revelations come to him. It's no mistake that he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He is getting revelation. I didn't receive this from man, but it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1. God is pouring out the kingdom in his life. But Paul wasn't expecting this. He wasn't looking for this. So to keep me being, from being exalted above measure and getting into pride, God brought a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me. I pleaded with the Lord three times, get it out, get it out, get it out. It's too much pain. I don't think I can handle this. Paul, listen to me. You can have the thorn and revelation and the kingdom so that I keep you in a state of dependence and helplessness. Or you can forfeit the kingdom. What do you want? Because if you get into pride, and I know where you're going, you're going to get into pride because of all the great things I'm doing in your life and all the victories that you're securing and all the information and revelation that you have. I know where you're going. You're going to get in pride, Paul. And when you do that, I'm going to have to resist you. And I'm trying to avoid that. So I, in my own wisdom, I am going to cause pain in your life and keep you in a state of humility and brokenness and dependence so that I can continue to pour out my kingdom in your life. When Paul was pleading, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he said to me, the Lord responded to him after asking, Lord, take it out, take it out, take it out. The Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. And as long as you remain in a state of humility, that grace can keep pouring out in your life. And no matter how painful things get, my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to be all right. My grace is never going to lead you to a place that you can't overcome. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is... It's brought, it's brought to its fullness when you're at your weakest. Paul got it. 
I'm trying to get it. My prayer is that you get it. We all get it. This was Paul's summation of his thoughts that he, and the revelation that he got. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. I'm joyful in them. I'm happy about them. Boy, do we need a breakthrough. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, it gets even worse. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in what? I like when I have a need. I like when I can't solve my stuff. I like when I'm in pain. I like when I reach a state of total dependence. I like when I don't know how I'm going to get out of this in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, come on somebody. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I get to a place of total dependence and there's no way out, that's when the power of God shows up. Amen or not? Is anybody getting this with me today? I'm going to finish this next week, but let me finish with Peter. I got to get back to his story. I got this. I can do this. I'm smart enough, strong enough. I'm self-willed enough. I can do this. Peter, you don't, you don't know this, but you're going to deny me three times. You even know me. There's no use arguing with flesh. I don't know if you know that or not. Peter has made a statement. Jesus doesn't argue with it. But Jesus said, listen, <laughs> Satan's going to sift you like wheat. And your pride's going to let him do that. But when you are, anybody know that word? But when you are, nobody in the building knows that? Converted. When you are converted, strengthen your brethren. Get back to the task. When you are converted, when you get out of your pride and get back to childlikeness, <laughs> we can continue on in your God-given plan for your life. And so we see this so clearly in the life of Peter. Let's stand on our feet. Team, come on up. Before this collapse, if Jesus would have said, hey, don't leave Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem, go to the upper room until you're endued with power from on high. The old Peter might have said, we don't know this, we can't prove it. I don't need power, I got power. <laughs> Maybe he couldn't have waited there in faith because he's like, why am I here? I don't need to be here. I got this figured out. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay, we'll just, you know, try to comply, Jesus said, okay, well, no, he's in that room and he's there because he knows he needs it. Amen or not? 
And they're waiting in that room. They're waiting in the upper room until they're endued with power from on high. All of a sudden, you know, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly a sound of heaven came as a rushing mighty wind filled the whole house where they were sitting, cloven tongue, a fire set up on their head, speak, speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. One of those tongues got on Peter. In his, un, in, in, his, in his converted, childlike, helpless, dependent state. And he was transformed. Let me tell you how I know. Because in the next chapter, there's a lame man who's begging alms from everybody going into prayer. They're going to prayer, him, 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 him and John. And the guy goes, hey, I need some money. I need some money. Peter said, look at us. Focus your attention on me right now and on John because we got something to tell you. Silver and gold have I none. I'm bankrupt. But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ and rise up and walk. And the God, the kingdom of God came and the miracle came and he's walking and leaping and praising God and everybody's going, wow, Peter, John, you're amazing. You, you are just amazing. The old Peter would go, yes, I am. But what did he say? Why? Look at us. As though by our own power, our godliness, we made this man well. It ain't nothing to do with us. We have nothing to offer. We are absolutely bankrupt and zeroed out. The only reason that happened is because God was allowed to let his kingdom come through my life. You reckon he bragged about it? You reckon any one of those 300 dummies in Gideon's day went home that night and had the audacity... Alex, to go, let me tell you what Popsy did tonight. Let me tell you what Mano did tonight. Woo, you should have seen it. You should have been there. I bet they walked through that door and they were white as a ghost. And Todd, they probably said, Donna, you should have seen what God did tonight. That's all I can say. I don't have another word to say. Can I get a witness in the house? The childlike. Josh called me. Hey, Dad, something's wrong with the car. He's getting his light on, and he won't back up. Four-wheel drive won't come out of four-wheel drive. Blah, 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 blah. Sarah asked me that morning. I forgot about it. Forgive me, Sarah. Sarah, where's Sarah? Sarah, forgive me. Josh said, Dad, you look out. Let me go look at it. I was sitting in the car. I said, okay, get out, son. I know what you're Okay, you know. Emmy pushed some buttons and said, let me just think. I, I, okay, I got it. Let me, let me just think. Let me pray. Let me, uh, uh, let me push this, that, think about it. Uh, 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 I got to be in the shop. And the light, when the light comes on, it's an emergency. This is not good. That, 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 all these things. I start, and I just put it in reverse and backed up. Boom, I heard something click, and it got back right. I'm going to just tell you what I felt like. I felt like I want to go. The next time, just call Dad. A little early is called dad, okay? Dad can fix anything. But I've been preaching on this, and I'm going to, don't do that. Scott, I don't know what I did. I did pray. Right. I said, Lord, show me what to do. I just... See, we want to claim glory for ourselves. 
But God won't be no part of that. So Josh said, Dad, I guess it was a miracle. I guess so, son. <laughs> pastor Ken, let me tell you my evaluation of you as a pastor. You are a weak fool. <laughs> you know, that might hurt my feelings when you say that to me. There's two things about that. Number one, you're probably right. <laughs> Number two, put up 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 29. Number two is that's the reason that God called me, because I'm a weak fool. If you want to do anything for God in the kingdom, he's not interested in your education, your skills, your abilities, your training. Remember when the disciples walked up and they're doing something for God, and they said, and we understand these are uneducated and untrained men, and so we realize they have been with they were uneducated, untrained men, and we realized they had been with Jesus. This is a Jesus thing. First Corinthians 1, 26, is that right? Yes. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to flesh. I wouldn't have chose me to do anything, and I wouldn't have chose you, by the way. Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the what? He's chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Well, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, but you're not dependent. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the, here's the punchline that you read it. You want to be a great small group leader? I don't want to talk about how much Bible you know, how many verses you know, how many, I don't, I don't care about your Bible training. I, don't do that, 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 that. I want to know you're a weak fool. Because if you're a weak fool, God can use you. Am I exaggerating this? Not at all. I'm getting ahead of myself. This is next week's message. But listen to me very carefully. You know what I just want to do in my life right now? I just want to declare bankruptcy. I just want to like, you know what? Lord, there's nothing I can do. I am totally dependent upon you. You hear me say this all the time. I'm a, I'm a fool without your wisdom. I'm weak without your power. How many of you know you need God in your life? If you don't know yet, learn the easy way. Don't learn the hard way. Don't go through the Peter thing. Is anybody listening to me? Because he loves you enough to embarrass you Let's just bow our heads and pray before the Lord. You've been feeling so rotten about yourself because of your weaknesses, your failures. I do it, you do it, we all do it. We look at ourselves according to the flesh and according to the world. We don't measure up. And unfortunately, the world will tell you, will exploit your failures, exploit your weaknesses. Now, I'm not talking about willful sin at all. 
And I'm not talking about a defiance to the word, the word of God or rebellion in your life. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about who we are as flesh and blood people. And I wish I could, and I wish I was better at, and I wish this wasn't in my life. I wish I could overcome that. I wish people thought about me. I wish people didn't think about me. Let me just tell you, it's a waste of time. A total flip-flop needs to happen in our lives. Again, not talking about willful sin, not talking about rebellion, not talking about willingly disobeying the Word of God in your life. I'm not talking about that. Paul said, I've got some weaknesses in my life, but I've learned to embrace them and love them. I've got some things about me that I wish would change, but I used to plead and pray and plead and pray, pray and plead and pray. But now I'm learning that's in my life for a reason. It keeps me dependent, it keeps me trusting in God. And I'm gonna stop beating myself up and badgering myself. I'm gonna stop feeling sorry for myself. I'm gonna stop doing all those things and I'm gonna start embracing my child likeness. Yes, I make some messes. And yes, I fill up my diaper every now and then. And yes, when I fill up my diaper, people are affected by it. But I'm gonna walk in humility, in brokenness. I'm gonna be like a child so that the kingdom of God can come to my, into my life. How many of you know right now, I, I, know you, I know you're supposed to say what you're supposed to say when I ask this question, but really, every head bowed, every eye closed, it's between you and God. How many of you know you've got some weaknesses in your life that you don't like and you wish were different? Raise your hand high. You know what, open your eyes. I don't know why I'm telling you to do that. You know what's gonna happen. Everybody. Listen, cast your care. Cast it on the Lord. You know what I, if you did fail, who's gonna help you out? If it was your fault, who's gonna help, who's gonna get you out of your mess? Only God, only God. I release peace in your heart today. I release simplicity in your heart today. I, I release a careless, the appropriate careless mentality in your life. Let's go out of this place and let's just give everything that we are to God, knowing we're totally dependent, knowing we're helpless, but yet fully trusting. I was thinking this morning, maybe we have a grandparent here and we, you, maybe you've never been in a church like this and you saw people raising our hands when we were singing and what is all that about anyway? Let me tell you what it's all about. I can't do this without you. I surrender again today, Lord. 
I can't do this. White flag. I need you today again. I need you to touch me again, help me again. I need some daily bread, some manna today. I need you today, Lord. I'm surrendered again. I'm not spiritual because I'm raising my hand and singing the song. I'm telling you, I'm desperate, I'm needy, and I'm nothing, and I'm bankrupt. I need you in my life, Lord. That's what that's all about. There's a bunch of needy people in here. Help us. Some of them don't know it yet. You're going to know it. All dependent upon God. Some of you don't know it yet, and God's going to bring you there. But if you'll be converted, God will give you the kingdom. And that conversion happens maybe 10,000 times in your lifetime after your initial conversion. Getting back. If you kind of halfway understand and there's some revelation working in your heart, raise your hand again and say, God, work this in me. Work this in me. I know this is a secret that I need. This is something that I need in my life. I just need you to help me. Help me get it in the moment when I need it. I don't want to eat the candy bar and the chocolate and the dark chocolate and the chips and the Doritos and whatever because I'm hungry. I don't, want to, I don't want to get after when I'm all bloated and sick and I can't and acids coming up in my throat when I'm laying there. I don't want to learn then that I shouldn't have done that. Help me get it before I do that. Somebody wave your hand at me. Help me get it before I make a fool of myself and have to deal with the consequences. If you don't know the Lord today, are you zeroed out? Are you? Is there anything in this world that you want more than Jesus? Is there anything in this life that you're trying to attain? I'm trying to get my education. Education without revelation not going to do you any good. Trying to get some training in my life. Training without trusting God in your life is not going to do you any good. You may go on and get it. You may do this. You may do that. But you better make sure that you have been converted and Jesus Christ lives in your heart or nothing that you gain in this world will matter at all. Let me tell you what you do right now. We do little gimmicks in church today. Stand up, sit down, close your eyes, open up. Yeah, do this, sign up, this, whatever. Fill out this, whatever. Just do this right now. Just raise your hand and say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I can't do it. I can't live this way. I can't. I don't want to be rich no more. Rich in my wisdom, rich in my confidence. I don't want to be rich in anything. I just want you, Jesus, to come into my life and save me. Come into my life, Lord. Deliver me from me. Pray that prayer. And when you know that you know that you're ready to make that determination in your life, sign that baptism just so we'll know that you want to be baptized. That's what that's all about. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Everybody in the room today, if it's, if it's your first conversion or it's you're saved, but I'm getting converted again, let's pray this prayer today. Dear Jesus, I believe with everything I am that I am nothing without you. I have nothing to offer you. I have nothing to bring you. I can do nothing for you. 
but I bring myself, which is all you really want. My messed up me. Forgive me, but my dirty diaper can't clean myself, can't feed myself. I just give my total dependent childlike self to you. Take me and save me. Thank you, Jesus, that you can take our messes and make a miracle when we are childlike. Can I get a big amen? Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hey, we love you. We're praying for you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. God bless you. Sign up for the prayer breakfast if you're going to be here with us Wednesday morning.